Hello and welcome to the No BS Approach to Motherhood podcast, hosted by Catherine Hay and Shelley McKenzie. We are both mothers and clinical nutritionists who specialize in women's health. We are here to not only bring you the most up-to-date nutritional and health advice when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and children's nutrition, but our main goal is to break through the BS that can come with motherhood. No topic is off limits, so grab a cuppa or a glass of wine and join us for another raw and real conversation surrounding motherhood. Lola, darling, so, so happy to have you on the potty. Are we popping your cherry for the No BS potty? Have you been on us on no. our potty before? No, she no. hasn't. Lovely. Cherry popping is going on right now. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. So we have you on today because you've just embarked on a journey that is often not spoken about. It is something that a lot of people don't know about, and that is egg freezing. And we're going to be diving into why you've chosen to do this and and all sorts of things. So start off by telling our listeners who you are and what you're about, and then let's dive into all the good stuff. That's not good, by the way, who you are. Uh, yeah, so my name is Lola Berry. Uh, your listeners probably know me more as a nutritionist and wellness author here in Australia. At about 31, 32, I was working with my therapist and I said, mate, I think I've been living my backup career. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, I want to be an actor. And he was like, okay, you better get to acting class. And so I got my green card. I've been in acting class for the last six years of all different types of training. And I freaking love it. Like it totally just lights me up but when I was in Los Angeles last year I was 36 and I said to my boyfriend oh it's gonna take a while to make it (laughs) like I just got aware of like where I was entering at you know like there's a process to being able to audition with the likes of Margot Robbie and whatnot and I said to him I think it's going to take me between three and five years and so I just said look that's going to affect our window if we want a bambino Mm. And so I just thought, oh, I might freeze my eggs, run it by a few mates, straight away saw a naturopath because I was like, if I do it, I want to go in as prepared but also like my body ready as well. And I quickly learned that the difference between freezing eggs and embryos. So we ended up going for freezing embryos. So that's kind of who I am and why I did kind of the, in a nutshell why. Your journey to where you are and, and that whole acting, like I remember years ago you being like, don't tell anyone, but I'm going for my green card. And that was all pre-COVID and then COVID hit. And that whole process has been a really long and grueling and very expensive process for you as well. And so we'll get into more of the why, but it makes total sense. Like you've dedicated so much to this next journey and this next chapter of your life. And I mean, if you want kids, it's very air quotes, like that window is starting to close as a 36-year-old woman. Not starting to close, but you know what I mean? Like it's easy yeah. to get tougher. You're very aware. You're very aware that, that like, and people start asking you, especially in Australia, people like, are you, aren't you? You know, the, the pressure is much bigger in Australia to become a parent. And in America, they're like, oh, mid-40s, surrogacy, they're like egg donors, sperm donors, like all of these things are very celebrated in America if you want to become a, again, quote-unquote, older parent. Mm, They're a lot more progressive than what we are here in Australia for sure. So, Lola, tell us about how long are you spending in LA compared to Australia because obviously that would impact, you know, having children as well because if you're going to be over there long-term and your boyfriend's here in Australia, is that right? 
yeah, he's at the moment, but he's also going through a visa process as well. It's just anyone that's listening that's been through any kind of American visa process, it is grueling. Like, it is a lot. Um, but, yeah, so last year I spent six months. Next year I've just booked my flights. I'm going to spend nine months. Like, I'm just – now that I've got the frozen – embryos not to give too much away <laughs> but um I'm just like all right we're running at this career now that is why you know we chose to do this so it changes to be completely honest with you how long I spend there I'm someone that chases work so you know if something came up next year that was really awesome and a big opportunity in Australia of course I'd fly back but you know I'll be spending the majority of the year in America next year. Tell us about the let's start from the conversation with Matt in regards to it is going to be this three to five year process and then in terms of having a family, tell us about how that conversation went for you and was it something you were nervous about or was it something that you felt Matt was going to be quite open to? Well, you've met Matt a few times. You know he's a legend. (laughs) So (laughs) he he was unreal. But we also had a deal from I remember at 34 when I turned 35 there was this real clock, like I became really aware of this like, clock if I wanted to be a mother so we made a rule that um every year around our birthdays because we're two days apart we just do a check-in and so you know 35 we're like we're not there's no way we're ready yet we're not even a quarter of where we want to be in our careers and then and also financially as well we were like ugh, like and then we 60 um 63 wow um 36 (laughs) rolled around and you know 36 around same thing not ready you know and then it was yeah in LA I was kind of gearing up to turning 37 and I kind of said to him he goes straight away he was just like yeah let's do it he didn't even but also he comes from a family like an Italian Catholic family where family is a huge value whereas I come from divorced parents who are awesome and both mates but but I grew up from prep when they got divorced watching them chase careers so like I've come from a very different family unit, like two Christmases, two Easter's and, you know, stuff like that, whereas he's come from and all his, a lot of his sisters have got, you know, I think he's got like six six nieces and nephews, do you know what I mean? Like family is such a huge, so he got it straight away and he was like, whatever you want, I'm on board. And yeah. did they get it? His family? Yeah. Yeah, they were so excited. To them it was like, this is the beginning of a pregnancy. They were, <laughs> which effectively it is. I didn't even know that, but um, yeah, it, yeah, they were they were wrapped. It was more my family that were like, oh, are you sure? Like your auntie had your cousins at forty two. Like they were kind of like giving me those kind of, which is great genetics to know that, but it's also you're leaving a lot up to what if and yeah. fingers crossed. And I was, I just didn't want to then wait to 40s which will will still be our plan and then go oh my god what if I did that thing I was thinking about doing as soon as I turned 37 and I didn't you know what I mean so I, I just don't want regret and this was my way of you know just and this sounds like a really yucky term but I'm going to be really honest a bit of insurance policy yeah yeah, yeah that's exactly what yeah 100 yeah. percent. and that's a really nice way to look at it as this is the beginning of a process a uh, beginning of a pregnancy yeah thought of it like that yeah Especially when you're an embryos, mate, like they're fertilised bambinos. So let's talk, talk us through it. So talk us through the whole process, Ola, and, you know, how taxing it can be in your body also because obviously we know it's not, it's a lot of synthetic hormones and, yeah, talk us through the whole process of what you've been through. Yeah, so I as soon as I landed back in Australia, so first of all I decided to, 
we wanted to do it in Australia, not America, because it's much easier to bring Australian eggs and embryos into America, much harder to bring American frozen bambines into Australia. Both doable, but it's just, from what I can understand, a lot easier to bring Aussies because we don't know where, like, what the future holds, right? So as soon as I looked at that, price-wise, it's 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 a little bit cheaper to do it in Australia and it's cheaper to have them on ice. You effectively pay rent to have them on ice. But as far as the process goes, first thing I actually booked, which I think you'll both love, is my naturopath. <laughs> it's a fertility specialist uh, is who I work with based in Melbourne. And she was like, look, I want three months to prepare your body before you even begin the injecting. And I was like, listen, we don't have, I was like, we I said, I want to be doing this next month if I can. And, she, and then she quickly explained, she's like, look, when you're freezing eggs, it is the eggs that were created three months ago. And she's like, so what were you doing three months ago? And, like, I was in L.A. and I was really healthy but I was still drinking a couple of times a week. And so she quickly changed my lifestyle. She was like, first of all, let's get you on pre-pregnancy subs so you treat it just like preconception from a supplement and nutritional perspective and then change the diet, just little tweaks. I'm generally pretty healthy but just kind of, like, really honing into having a very fertile diet. I kept going, this is my fertility diet because I love to intermittent fast and I have a history of eating disorders. So for me, that kind of makes me feel, again, a bit in control. And I know that's like a bit of a dirty word to use around diet and whatnot, but that's just the truth for me. So that was straight out the window. She was like, you need to think about fertility. So straight away it was like warming and I was working with acupuncture as well. So always warming oats for brekkie acupuncture and fertility I'm sure you guys know all about this but like best mates and especially with freezing eggs as well because you're like I look I'm telling you the acupuncture completely like helped me like through not even just like pre but like during post the works Mm -hmm. so then you meet a specialist right and you walk on in and so I didn't I didn't like my first specialist. I just didn't get good vibe and I was like, I don't really feel safe in this. I, I'm sure I was totally safe, but I just didn't feel mentally, for my mental health, I was like, I need to feel like you're on my team. Yeah. Um. So we hit a few brick walls with like being told I was already geriatric and this is a really bad plan. As soon as you say your future planning, it's still reasonably rare to be future planning and freezing, especially embryos. Most people freeze embryos to be transferred fresh, so like a natural transfer. I'm sure you would have had beautiful, I call it crumble, but um, Kieran here talking about her experience as well. So um, we were not doing any of that. We were doing it all for future planning, so all for being on ice. So that's kind of the start process. Mm-hmm. Have I gone too far or are we oh, doing this? Right. Keep, keep going. Keep going. So when you find a specialist you like, and I found one I really liked, and he goes, these 37-year-old embryos in your healthy 45-year-old body, happy days. And that was like music to my ears. Not that we're necessarily planning a wedding till 45, but I just thought how cool to know that. And the chances of falling pregnant naturally at 45 is less than 1%, according to my specialist. And I thought as well, well, you know, if Matt and I try and naturally at like 41, 42, have one Bambino and then a couple of years later go, oh, it would be nice if there was a sibling, well, then that opportunity is now there for us, which wasn't there eight weeks ago before I'd done this. So that doctor felt like he and he was local. So I think there's something about having a doctor that's local to you as opposed to we were for the first time we'd have to keep driving to Queensland. So this meant that like just a little bit closer, you know, if you needed to talk to someone. 
And then as soon as they, this is the bit that no one explains to you, but like as soon as you're approved for a cycle or a, which is like one IVF cycle, it's go time. Like it goes from zero to quickly, you've got to book in at the clinic to get all your training for all the different injections. And then it's like as soon as you get your period, which is like day one of a bleed, um, you call them up and they're like, great, they'll tell you what day to start injecting on and then they'll start literally from that from the day you get your period the rest will be booked in the days you get your scans the days you get your blood tests the days you change your medicines the day you have the procedure it is all planned out from like the beginning of that for that period but until that you're doing a million tests you're getting ultrasounds which is just a dildo up your vagina i'm sure you girls have both had it before (laughs) My my place warms the lube up, and I was like, "That is a great, That's yes, so much more." Pleasant. How do they warm it up? I don't. Know, it must have been sitting like in something, but it was very comfortable. I'll put it that way. It was so nice. <laughs> and and because they do the external one too, where they like are doing it on your um, uterus stuff. That's actually really nice because you know when the, something's cold, it like shocks you a bit, and that yeah, so warm. That's right, kids, mate. Do you know how many of those dildos up your vagina? Are yeah. Made? And they've never, never warmed it. <laughs> Mate, I'm telling you, I've had, I had this amazing, amazing sonographer, I think that's what they're called, and he'd been in the industry for 23 years. I'd never felt more calm, such a legend, walked me through it all. You really and- do want that because it would have all been such a new experience mm. for you in terms of like, like as it is for any woman going through this or even like first pregnancy, you never really know what those appointments are and what to expect and you know it can be quite nerve-wracking totally but it's actually not that bad like it's literally just a skinny dildo no probs happy days quick quick warm lube you're fine (laughs) it's fine matt was in the room with me he was filming it it was fine not like actually going in obviously but like filming all the screens and stuff it was fine i quite like i will so that i will say though when they do the when they do the ultrasounds further into your ivf cycle because your ovaries have gone from the size of walnuts to grapefruits, and in my my situation, I had been hype, I had been slightly hyperstimulated, which is we can talk about that. It's a bit scary. Mine were the size of grapefruits, and so when they're putting it up there, that that those times you're just like, oh, it's just uncomfortable. It's not painful. It's just like it always feels a bit nudgy and pushy, you know? Yeah. Mm. How, yeah, what happened with the hyperstimulation? Because I know this is, can be an issue for so many women going through IVF and that happening. Yeah, apparently it's super common. I had no idea. I had no idea it's common. So basically you buy all your medicines at the start and that includes your trigger drugs. So your trigger is literally what's and it's timed down to the minute depending on what time your procedure is. And I had no Medicare because Matt and I were considered to be socially infertile. I had no idea what this term was. So basically it means on paper we're fertile. So Medicare won't subsidise that. So it costs us 15 grand. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I can't do it again. I was like, man, my dreams will blow up in front of me. That's my American money now, you know. Yeah. So it usually shouldn't be that if anyone's listening. Like it it shouldn't be that much unless you're – I have had a lot of um, women and also like – Lesbian couples write to me saying, yeah, no, no, that was what it was for us too because on paper if your AMH is great, if you're, you know, you've got great issues, all that kind of stuff that is linked to your fertility and Matt was super fertile as well, they were like, well, no, you technically don't need this. This is because it's future planning. 
Isn't that crazy wow. though? Because no woman knows what her fertility journey is going to look like until she begins it. And it doesn't matter what that reads on paper. Like it doesn't matter whether you've got the most perfect AHM, like whatever, it still does not guarantee you conception. So totally. it just blows my mind that they can then just be like, nope, on paper you're fertile when actually you could have began your fer- uh, fertility and tried to conceive naturally and not not conceived. Yeah, yeah, totally. A lot of people wrote to me and said just lie and say you've been trying for a year and I was like, oh, my goodness, I, the karma would come for me. I could, and, and also there would still be so much stuff saying we were fertile on, but, like, I was like I, couldn't, I could not get my head around doing that. But I did say to my doctor because he was like, he called me after and he said, look, do you want to go again in January because we were expecting more, which we were, and I'll share all my numbers with you, that's fine. And I said, well, does this mean Medicare will cover us now because you're saying you wanted a better result than what we got, uh, you know, and now that's a record, like we can see that that's what we got. And he goes, no, on paper you're totally fertile. And I was like, okay. I was like, mate, this is, it does feel like a side of it is quite businessy. I will. Yeah, it's that- like an exchange almost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that bit's tricky. That bit's tricky. Yeah, what bit of the story was up to? Do you want me to talk uh, about the hypers, injection? Uh, hypers, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. With that, Pardon? what were your signs and symptoms with hyperstimulation? Yeah, so basically the first day of the first injection, which is your follicle-stimulating hormone, um, I got full-blown diarrhoea, like I'm talking full-blown. <laughs> we had someone over for dinner that night and I was like, Matt, they need to leave, stop talking, stop talking, they need to leave, they need to leave. Um <laughs> <laughs> that happened for two days, which I didn't know, but is probably my body being like, well, this dose is probably a little pinch um, high for me. I didn't know that, obviously, going into it. Um, and then you kind of do four days of just that follicle stimulating thing. And then the next day you're adding a second injection in, which stop, basically stops you ovulating, right? Mm-hmm. And then three days after that, you have your first scan. So that's like your first blood test and ultrasound. And that's when it went from like zero to hero in the hyperstimulation world. So I'd had my blood test in the morning. I'd started to realise I was feeling nauseous kind of like most of the time, which I just thought, oh, well, it's baby pregnancy, I guess. I kind of didn't, I was like, here's a taste of what pregnancy might be. Yeah. And and then I went in for my scan and the doctor's like, look, we're going to ho- hope for five follicles. So in a follicle there is usually one egg, sometimes two, but I only ever had one in each follicle. And he goes, for the, we need five follicles to okay the procedure and I was like great and he goes oh 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 we've got 12 on one side and 10 on the other side and I was like woohoo 22 follicles this is yeah like a a plus lola and then and then he looked at my estrogen he was like okay we've got to talk to you about hyperstimulation here it can be fatal and I was like excuse me and he's like, well, yeah, you can die from it. And I was like, nobody told me this. This is a career. Like, I'm doing this for more career time. Like, And within five minutes of leaving the doctor's surgery, the nurse had called me up and was like, do not touch your trigger medicine. It will send you into um, hypersteam. You need to pick up a different trigger drug because the trigger medicine's usually got a pregnancy hormone in it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I had to like, I've still got it in my fridge. I'm like 400 bucks, gone. Um, and so I had to buy another trigger that literally shuts down your hormones, which was fun for one day. And then, and this is what was so hard. He did say to me, he goes, you now won't die from hyperstimulation, but you will experience all of the symptoms. How's the 
language around this. But oh, like- he was actually pretty cool. I like Blunt. I quite like. <laughs> I quite liked knowing. Uh- but yeah, it is full. Like he was like, yes, yes, you know. Like he, I, I quite liked it. I, I quite, I don't know. I, I enjoy. I would rather be told than not told. But I would have been rather been told before I even started that hey, this thing can happen. Um. Anyway, and then on also this is what I forgot to tell you. My meds because we weren't covered by Medicare. I called up and bought all the meds, and they're like, yep, that's one hundred and twenty-seven dollars. And I was like, yep, swipe the credit card. They call me a couple of minutes later, and they're like, sorry, you've got no coverage with Medicare, it'll be $1,827. You know, know that $127 if you're not going to be covered, hey? Yeah, seriously. Kick in the guts. Yeah, so it was a lot of that the whole way through where you were like you'd pay your doctor's fee and then you just would never get any of that rebate back. But you'd see what the rebate is and you're just like, oh, mate, insane. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, so they just said, listen, don't touch your trigger. And then the next, they were like, still take your hormones and stuff for the next day. And my whole, my skin was tingling the whole time. So this is all the hyper stuff. Um, I couldn't walk properly because I guess their uh, follicles and everything got so huge, like ovaries and everything, so big. And it was just uncomfortable. And I was talking to a mate and I was like, oh, maybe that's a bit like pregnancy. And she's like, no, Lola. (laughs) She's like, it's gradual. And she's like, it's more achy. This sounds like pain. I was like, yeah, stabbing pain. And she's like, no, (laughs) two different experiences. (laughs) (laughs) And you can both um, tell me about that. But, yeah, so then they're like, okay, we're speeding up your procedure. So the procedure date was brought forward. Trigger drug was changed. And I went in a day early and did the procedure and that and I stayed awake. Yeah, right. So you had the option to go under or stay awake? No option, mate. No. Oh. I'd have to pay another two grand to go under. So that would have brought it to 17000 What's that like? How's that experience being awake for something like that? <laughs> Wild. <laughs> <laughs> wild, 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 wild. So you walk in, they do your like blood pressure, check that you're like saying, you know, like in the right headspace for it all. And then they give you this little cup with two Panadol and a Valium and Matt's sitting next to me because he's got to give his sperm sample at the same time, right? Oh. We're doing embryos and sperm only lasts 40 minutes. So it's not like you can do it in the, in the you know, the comfort of your own home. No, he had to do, do it all there. Um and he had to do mock, like tests on all his sperm too. And he was like, "Oh my god, the Catholic guilt was getting me." He had to do one at one St Vincent's Hospital. He's like, "There's pictures of the Pope," and then I'm walking into this disabled toilet doing a sperm sample. He's like, and then he's like, "I asked for Wi-Fi, and then all the porn sites were blocked." <laughs> he, yeah, he. It, you should interview him about it. So funny his story. <laughs> How do you even? How, if there's no porn, like, what did he have to do? He 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 said he had to, like, no, fully. He was just like, oh my god, I had to find a Reddit website about couples gone wild. <laughs> so, hold on. So yeah, on the morning of the procedure, because like you full water fast, it's like an operation, so you've water fasted, food fasted, everything. They're like. They're giving me the two Panadol at a Valium. Secretly, I was like, can I have something more, please? But um, and Matt sits there and he's like, oh, could I please have a Valium too? <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> and he was just like, um, he, he was more nervous than me. By that stage, I was just like, we're here now. Let's get on with the show. Then they walk you into a theatre and you kind of lay down. You've got your feet in those horse, like, like horse therapy things. And the doctor, I just see him like swirling like a, a dish with like, um, I'm guessing saline and gauze in it. He's like, right, this is going to hurt. And gauze just goes straight up my vagina. Oh, my God, it hurts so Shelly, it hurt so, so much. And the nurse saw how much it hurt me and she put the green whistle in my hand. Yeah. The green whistle is a non-opioid painkiller. And she was like, I want you to inhale this. And so, like, you've got to inhale and exhale into the whistle. You can't exhale because they'll inhale it around you. So you've got a nurse with you. You've got the doctor literally up inside you. And then you've got a scientist and there's a little window in the theatre and they're literally one at a time handing the vials of eggs across to the lab straight away. Wow, and you were awake for all this. How long did it take, the procedure? Probably about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes quick, It's which is nice not to go under because it, your recovery is probably going to be better. And the doctor explained all that. But um, I... I swear I felt it all. I mean, he still put local up in each side. So after the gauze situation, then that dildo goes back up, but with a needle on the end of it, and he'll inject local on both sides. And then what they do is like for each follicle, they put another little needle thing in and then suck, like vacuum the liquid out and the egg is essentially in there. But I, every time the injection in the follicle, I was like, (gasps) I remember looking at the ceiling sucking on this green whistle going, I'm, I can never do this again. I can never do this again. And I told my mum, who's a nurse, and she goes, it's like what women say in labour, but they all do it again. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's mate. It's true, it was... but the difference there is, like, you've got a baby at the end. You're not <laughs> at that point yet. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, labour's different because you have a baby and you do forget about it all, but I imagine you're, you're only at the egg retrieval part, right? Yeah, like, and it's a lucky dip. You don't know how many you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. But the cool thing is you are awake, so you can hear them going one, two, three, four. So, like, uh, of the 15, there was one that didn't have an egg, so that w- it was 14 that were collected on the day, which is pretty cool. Like, I was like, happy, you know, happy days. The doctor was like, oh, maybe we have three kids in there, and I was like, I know you've got three bambines, and I was like, no. I was like, there's no way I could handle three kids. But so you kind of leave on a bit of a high. And then um, th- then you've just got to go home and recover and the recovery for me was really hard because of that hyperstimulation. So that's when all your, your symptoms kick in is actually post. So how was your recovery? Oh, so the recovery was really tough because I didn't know this, but the trigger they gave me stopped hormone production. And so each day your hormones are like bombing worse and worse and worse and at the same time you're waiting for these calls from the embryologist telling you like you get an update on day one post-procedure day three and day five and and they're telling you how many can basically survived like it's pretty gnarly and they're scientists so you're not getting like a, a nurse being like hey Lola how are you feeling any symptoms like none of that it's like Right, so and 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 it's so I've never mentally felt so. It just felt like a weird depressiony, all-encompassing. I couldn't think about anything else, and and you're just waiting for those calls, and it was just like fucking harrowing, to be honest with you. And I got a great result. We got a great result, but I, it's just when you're in it, and and the hormone thing, it's just like a tornado. 
Yeah. And so before we go into your results and what have you, how had you been feeling mentally up until the procedure? And like, were you, yeah, like just how was your mental state? Because I know that you're a big, big advocate and you've already mentioned on here about therapy and what have you. Um, so you were obviously, I'm assuming, working with your therapist through all this, but how did you feel mentally? Yeah, you're right. I totally had my therapist the whole time, the whole way through. I also did like chakra healing, mate. I was like plus the acupuncture plus the naturopath sees you the whole way through too because she'll tweak certain, you would know this, some supplements can thin your blood, stuff like that. So she was tweaking the whole way through. So I felt pretty good up until, and I felt really great on the procedure day. I didn't expect to feel it as much, in all honesty, I didn't think I'd be fit. I thought the local would have done its magic, but it didn't. (laughs) So I didn't expect the pain to come during the process. Um, But then post, I booked an emergency consult with my therapist because I was like, this is too much, like I can't carry myself. And Matt was phenomenal, but I was like, this is too much. And my, I didn't know this, but my therapist had worked with, quite a few women through IVF cycles. So he knew the stats better than I did and was like, let's talk it out. Like, let's get really clear on it. Because I initially was really disappointed. Initially I expected more. And and because I had so many follicles as well, like to go from 22 follicles and then like each call you're getting dwindled down and down, you're just like by the end of it you feel like a shell of a person, you know. That's... um. Yeah, couldn't even imagine. And do you feel like women going through this, it is important to have a good therapist and to have those support systems in place prior to to then, you know? Mate, non-negotiable, non-friggin' negotiable. Um, And I know a lot of women do cycles back-to-back, so you can just go straight as soon as you bleed because you get this weird fake period five days after. You're allowed to go back into another cycle. And, like, I'm telling you, like... The way I'm just coming back to my health now, and it's just. But I said that to my doctor. He called me and he's like, "Do you want to go again?" And I was like, "I go. It, I mentally and physically feel like shit. I was like, I need to find homeostasis again. I need to find balance. I need to find myself again. I was like, I've completely lost myself in this. And I was like, I need time. And I am only 37, so I do. I am lucky in that I have." If I wanted to do it again, I've got like, you know, a three-year window, maybe more. Yeah, and the hormones and everything, like you've spoken about all those trigger drugs and all of that, we haven't even spoken about the symptoms and what have you, but did you feel, did you notice a difference when you were on all those hormones and taking all these medications and tell us what Oh, my God, porn star boobs, number one. Like I've already got big cans, but like this was I may have been eating them for breakfast, mate. They were, like, up to my chin. That was so full on. Like, even Matt was like, oh, my. He's like, I've never seen your boobs ever like that. And I'm like, and it's, I know it's totally funny, but at the same time, like, they're so sore too because of all the hormones. And you just feel like this walking balloon. I mean, I'm probably describing pregnancy feelings as well. So I, I, but yeah, it was a real taste. I was just like, wow, but yeah. And, and the, the pains, like I, all I could do was gentle walks and I'm someone that like has to move daily. I love to feel physical. I love to go to Pilates, to yoga. I love to sweat it out. I love to hike. None of that. It was like a 20 minute beach walk every night. Cause it's all that I could manage. You get shortness of breath. I think that's a pregnancy thing too. All that shit kicks in. And this is, we're talking after 10 days of injecting, this is happening to you. So it is wild what your body is going through. Absolutely. And what about, you know, we, we think of like PMS leading up to our period, right? The emo- like, the, like, did you have heightened sense of emotion as well? 
mate, I had two breakdowns right towards the end. I didn't realize one mum had like done a, my mum came up to, she's a nurse. And so she was like, let me do the harder injections because some of the gauges of the needles are thicker and they freaking hurt. And so the trick is if anyone's listening, get um, numbing cream just for those bigger, the first needles are fine because it's like diabetes, pen needles, and they're those tiny weeny. Like you don't even feel it going in. It's actually like you feel like a hero the first day. You're like, oh, got this. But the, the, when you start doing the antagonist, the one that's going to stop you um, ovulating, they're a, you know about them. They're a thicker gauge. And so mum was like, oh, I'm going to do those ones for you. She was such a legend, but she made a joke like about me being selfish or something. And I, I, let re- I was like, what do you mean I am self-like? And I had no, like I just had no, you can't, can't get perspective you can't yeah it's you're in this like whirlwind of like this it's weird it's way worse than period way worse like it is this you can't comprehend shit properly it's so weird but then at the same time you feel so grateful and privileged that you're even in this experience at the same time but it's a lot and it's still you know even though yes you're grateful and privileged to be in that situation I mean it's still very real and very valid all of those feelings Mm. that you are feeling and many of them are out of your control because of all the hormones that you're putting into your body and because of everything you're going through, you know. So tell us, Lols, what was your final result? Yeah, so basically in the chair on the day of the fifth, so 22 follicles and then so some were hidden behind a really dangerous artery on my left side so they didn't even go near them and they looked too small anyway. So it was like I, I think they'd be too immature. So of the 15 that were drained, we got 14 eggs. So I was like, great, happy days. And then of the 14, we got down to eight. So some were immature. I think four were immature and two were abnormal. And so then eight were, so that's really cool. Like think about it. They're finding out which ones are not healthy straight out of the gate. And then they introduced those eight to Matt's sperm. We didn't do this thing called ICSI, which some people do where they inject the eggs with the sperm. We just let nature and Matt's, as the doctor said, super swimmers <laughs> um, do their work. And then overnight you get your first call and they were like, right, so you've got six, cell, like the beginning of embryos, so cell division stuff going on. And I was like, what? The only number I had before that was 14. I had no idea that only eight had been you know, exposed. And so I, to go from 14 to six, like I burst into tears. I was like, what do you mean? And then you get a call on day three and all six were dividing well. So I was like, oh, okay, great. Little did I know that the hardest bit is day three to five. I had no idea that that is like the real hard bit. So up until eight years ago, they would freeze on day three, right? So we would have had six great embryos. And I would have thought, that means six bambinos, in yeah. all honesty. And then of those six, I got a call on day five and they're like, we've frozen one. And I was like, why? <laughs> and they're like, so she was like, some of them are still on day five, like cell division, day four cell division. We don't ever freeze on day four anymore. Like day three and four is completely, it just isn't certain enough. And they want the chances. So embryos viability is 98%. So you are like happy days as far as whatever you do get. But then we get a call. So she's frozen one. She goes, I'm going to call you tomorrow and let you know if we can freeze any more. So they keep them until day seven. So I get a call on day six. She's like, we've freeze, frozen one more. So we've got two on ice. 
And she goes, I want to be realistic with you. It's rare we will freeze yours on day seven. It just there's been no extra cell division from the day four cell division, so it's not looking like we can. And they're graded too. It's like AA, AB, BB, BC. The second a C is in there, they're discarded. They're not good enough quality. So the cool thing is you're getting like these A-grade, healthy, viable, highest chance of a transfer working embryos. And, you know, to think that if we did it in the past, you know, all those six would be viable but only two would have had the chance of taking, that's four miscarriages I could have gone through and the whole transfer process. So it is cool that they get them further down the line so you've got this 98% viability but it does feel like a crazy jump to go from 22 follicles to two really healthy embryos. And there's a huge difference between embryos and eggs. I'm sure people have spoken about it, but like eggs are something like 60% viable. I could be wrong with that amount, but like the thawing and the freezing really mucks with the eggs because they're so high in water content. Whereas embryos love a thaw and freeze. Like they do really, really well. And so that's where the chances of successful pregnancy down the track is much higher but it took me a lot to be really happy with those results and even the scientist said like what are you worried about she's like you got two out of six a-grade embryos she said that's 33 percent we tell people to expect 25 percent from when they find out that fertilization number but no one told me so I had no idea and so it took a lot of therapy to go hang on this is a huge win well, in terms of you shared a lot of this on social media and, and these results and what have you, um, before we chat about what your actual plan is moving forward, how has everything been in the – so I know you've copped a bit of flack on socials. Like, and, yeah, yeah. You know, this is, is your choice and you are doing it to chase your career. Like how has the um, – yeah, how have you found the reaction from people? Uh, I mean, yeah, so I still get that you're too old anyway, you're going to be old, you're not going to have energy, like all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, there's also overwhelmingly like nice stuff because I just did it so that people would feel less scared and alone if they went through the experience. And I thought to myself, oh, if I could have listened to this on a podcast or, you know, seen it on Insta, then I probably would have gone in a little bit less scared. That said, every experience is totally different. Like I've had friends that have done multiple rounds and breezed through it, but then they didn't have the hyperstimulation, did they? So you know what I mean? Everybody's experience is totally different. But I think with the socials, in ge- like in general, it ended up being pretty positive because I was just sharing like so honestly that like if anyone had beef, it was like that's more of a reflection of them than me, you know. And now what's your plan? What's your plan moving forward now that you've gone through this? Oh, mate, running at the career like you wouldn't believe. LA is a beast. It's so hard. Like, and I'm starting at zero. Like last year I got my first agent and audition and I was so excited. I was like, oh, first audition has come in. It was a commercial audition. I was like, great. And they're like Kristen Bell type. And I was like, great, that's me. I'm reading the script and I'm like, oh, my God, this is an ad for vagina deodorant. And I had to, you know, barrel the camera and, and be like, I'm your fanny godmother. You know, like it was insane. And I had to make a makeshift wand and like point to my vagina and go safe to you on your privates, pits and feet. Like, mate, insane. Didn't I, even get it. I, I didn't even know 
that there was a thing such as vagina deodorant, by the way. I didn't know. Whole body, mind you. Whole body. What order do you use it in is my question. <laughs> so my point is I'm, st- I'm, not, I'm not going in auditioning next to Margot Robbie, put it that way. I'm literally, and so that's how I knew, oh, this is going to take chasing and running down and, like, taking the steps. Like, the realistic next goal would be, like, dead person number three on Grey's Anatomy, you know, like, and that's probably will be my goal next year, something on a procedural drama. But um, career now and then we'll reassess at 40, I think. But my plan will be every single year when I come back to Australia is check my AMH, check my hormone levels, check how everything's looking, like even like zinc, D, all those things that, as you guys would know, like are so important with fertility. And I'll always be, um, I said to my naturopath, I will be on like a, kind of like a really gentle fertility maintenance the whole way the whole time because I do currently have a really nice AMH level but like obviously as you age that is going to decline so I think I'm just going to do all the things to like yes I've got the insurance policy of these great someone called it M babies um on ice but also like we will definitely our plan was to always try naturally so I think like early 40s we'll try naturally and then if you know, there's any kind of struggles we'd use our frozen embryos as far as doing a cycle again. I, in all honesty, we can't afford it. And I want my body to like feel healthy again. So that would be something that I'd probably address in a couple of years if I still felt like, oh, I'm going to need more career running time. But I don't know, we said at the start of this, we were like, let's just take the cards that we're dealt and we're lucky like people go through this and get zero embryos like three four five rounds so we're so lucky that we were able to walk away with two really healthy bambinos on ice it's it's such an incredible story yours lola because you were so open about it on your socials and i was watching it and it was empowering too i found it really empowering like I, i've got a kid but even just watching you share that so vulnerable vulnerable to an audience which I just think is incredible because so many women you know want to chase their careers and we were saying off air earlier like it is a bit taboo like you know us wanting to have more than just like children early on as well and I think sharing it and you know there might have been a few Karens who were like oh you know too old or whatever but it, it was empowering for me to even watch you know and I'm not I'm not going through that so you would have helped so many women who are going through it as well. But also you guys would get that, oh, you're a mum, how do you juggle like having a career and being a mum? And it's like, why don't they ask the guys that? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Right? Like it's, you know, so I think, you know, I just think if you've got a dream and if you've got a dream and that means having having a bambino on the hip and going after a great career and you're both so, so talented in your careers plus this epic pod, you know what I mean? Like can go for it like and that's one thing that like this taught me and I said to my friend I was like I am never gonna have career regret or even mum regret I don't think because I'm never gonna look back and go if only I did that round when I was 37 I'll be like fuck that's what we could afford we did a round and cool this is this this is the situation we're in but also and not to harp on about the therapy thing like Matt and I had therapy the whole way through and we will continue to for I imagine a the rest of our lives and I, I do think that it gives you a really clear perspective and like a clear point of view because I do think the IVF world as amazing as it is that it brings bambinos to people that really want bambinos that are struggling naturally as well it's just like 
it's a big beast of a world, even just if you think about it from, hang on, you're injecting hormones into your body. Like it is a lot. It is a lot. And so I think therapy needs to be, and not just like a one-off, like that should be as important as the freaking injections to me anyway. A hundred percent agree. And, you know, Cappy and I have talked about this on many episodes when we've talked about pregnancy nutrition and, and interviewed people, but we always harp on about the, the stress that your not only your body but your mental state goes through and we know what happens when we are under stress and when we're in that fight or flight and the impact that that has on our reproductive system. Why wouldn't you seek therapy and seek help? as you would with your nutrition, you know, most of, most of the listeners here are quite nutrition focused. So it just makes sense to be supporting your mental health so that you do have the best outcome and your reproductive system isn't being affected by your nervous system. Totally. Totally. I mean, you wouldn't, you guys would know that like stress and cortisol can affect fertility so much. And so it's a no brainer. You'll laugh. One of the things I said, Oh, I've got two funny stories to make. Um, I said to the both specialists, I was like, so can I still get Botox? And they were like, <laughs> they were like uh, if you died of, like, if your Botox got from your, uh, like, crow's feet all the way to the ovaries, you'd be dead. They were like, go for it. Dye your hair. Get the, I was like, great. <laughs> but, well, like, my, my naturopath was like, think about just not doing it too soon. Like, she was a bit more, like, you know, holistic around it. The other funny thing was I got a Brazilian the day before the procedure because I was like, I want it to be clean, smooth sailing down there. Yeah, that one. Before all of my children and birthed in them, I had booked my wax yes. right before my due date because I was like, right, down there? Yeah. Yeah. Just a nice My friend thought it was the funniest thing. She's like, He'll, they would be have so many women that they're seeing down, and you're like clean, like, perfect like everything You'll feel good about yourself though yeah yeah 100 it was just because also I was like do you know what I figured that green whistle makes you a bit off chops like you get drunk and I was like imagine if I'm like oh sorry I haven't had a wax I, it was my I literally had that thought in my head I was like I do not want to be saying that in the chair so I thought do you know what just get it done so you're not thinking about it do you know what I got to tell a story here I was birthing Sonny's head and I was off my head on drugs and um I was like what's the state of my vagina looking I didn't get a wax like I was talking about my pubes <laughs> like why you like this is the last thing we need to worry about your daughter you're actually birthing your child and you're talking to me about your pubes <laughs> Mate, I'm telling you, it must be a thing. It must be a thing. But the girl waxing me goes, I didn't for my pregnancy. And she goes, and I still regret it to this day. <laughs> I, I, I think it's like a big deal though. If you're used to being well manicured as well, like got a team of people down there. Yeah, my doctor's a handsome man, you know. I'm like, I want him to be like, hey, that was a great patient. Nice vagina, neat, you know. <laughs> I totally agree. I've, um, I sit now that I'm finished having babies, I've since gone and got laser and it's the best thing I've ever done because you can't have that when you're pregnant or like breastfeeding. Oh, so I can't get laser because, oh, this is an overshare. My roots are slightly blonde. You can't get them lasered. Oh, fun fact. They now have machines that do blonde hair, so you're good. Oh, 
brilliant. Thank you very much. You send me your details of where you go after. When you're in Melbourne, just on Bay Street. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> anyway, darling, we've uh, digressed, but do tell us any any words of wisdom for our listeners before we wrap this up who may be going through this or thinking about going down this egg freezing route for whatever reason. Yeah, I just think... I know I've harped on mental health, but I just think make sure you've got a really cool support network around you. Obviously, I chose to share it all on Instagram, but they do say be selective about who you tell. Some people are going to get it. Some people are going to not. Some friends of mine blew me away with their support and then others were gone, like couldn't, it was too triggering or it just they didn't understand it and didn't want to understand it. But it probably cost me a few, like I, I think I let go of a few friendships and I've heard that's super common because some people get it and some people don't. So I just think like maybe before you do it, almost like make a list of like who you want your support network to be because I will say the friends that had my back, like I could cry talking about them. Like my year 12 prom or, you know, formal partner is a doctor now and he checked in with me the whole way through and just like, called me up and was like, I'm here for anything. And, like, I'd call him when my hyperstimulation came. Like, I'd worked with him the whole way through and he's blew me away. And we only talk, you know, three or four times a year and it just really was the most, like, beautiful thing he could have done. I had another friend that was like, I'm always going to give it to you straight and he gave it to me tough love when I was having, like, meltdowns. It was what I needed. It was to get me out of my head. And so I just think have the people around you that you – know on your team that's the most important thing and also like you do you like have the self-care shit that makes you feel good you do you like if you want to do back-to-back cycles because you know that this is the window that you want to have a bambino in freaking do it but like have the other things in place to support you while you're going through it and you got this great great and where can we find you Oh, I'm a bit of an Instagrammy, podcasty girl. Love pods the way you do. I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's so good, isn't it? Isn't it addictive? Love it. It is the best. We met on the old Freedom Wellness podcast. So just the relationships that are formed from podcasts, it's like no other. I know. And we've had lunches since and, like, we've got little you, me and Crumb, but we've got a nice little gang. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, pods, obviously I've got my pod feels so failing. And then just Insta, I love Insta, but my agents keep telling me I've got to get TikTok. I don't have TikTok yet, girls. Do you? No, I can't stand TikTok. Not on it, no. No. I think I'm going to have to bite the bullet. I'll report back. I'll let you know. Booty though on it? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what they do? Well, don't, I, just, I thought they just dance. Is it a yeah. dance thing? I'm out of the loop with TikTok. Yeah, some people do. Some people, I don't know. Yeah, no, me too. But, yeah, mainly Instagram pod. That's my that's my jam. Amazing. Oh, we've loved having you on, Lola, and thank you for sharing it. So real and raw because mm. that's what, you know, our podcast is all about. It's a raw, relatable, and so thank you for sharing that with us. It's incredible, incredible. And thanks for having me and thanks for a ripper pod. Like what a great pod and, it, you know, we need it out there. So, you know, totally honoured to be on it. Gang. Let's hang in real life next time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we can have a cocktail and talk about pubes and vaginas and still waxing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. Sure. Sign me up. We did it all in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Thanks, guys. Okay, have a good day. See you. Bye. Ya. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a five star review. That way we can continue to inspire and reach more mamas around the globe. If you would like to get in contact, request a guest or topic, 
then head to the No BS Approach to Motherhood Instagram page and send us a direct message. Otherwise, until next episode, stay sane, mama.